Good morning. morning. It's good to see you. Well, I have to say that I was sitting over here during the baptism, and I was just thinking about Laura being a teenager in the in the youth choir singing over in the traditional service when I first came here 11 years ago. Uh, 11 years is the longest I've ever been at a church, and I plan to stay a little while longer, uh, so don't get any ideas. Um, and uh, to see that baptism, I enjoyed being a part of, of your baptism uh, for your daughter, and uh, and it just did my heart so much good. But I'll also say I enjoyed watching um, Alex enjoy doing that baptism. Um, and so, um, Alex, put your uh, fingers in your ears. Okay. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he really? So we are so blessed to have Alex as one of the pastors uh, of St. Peter's and in charge of our West Campus. Uh, and uh, I just appreciate you, Alex. Um, I'm sorry I let you take your fingers out of your ears for that. But I just want you to know in front of God and everybody here how much you mean to me. It is so uh, awesome for me to get to come out occasionally and get to share with you as well. And so uh, today we're continuing the sermon series, So That, and we're using uh, scriptures that say in them so that. I pointed out in the first week that I preached this at traditional services that there are hundreds of times in the Bible that it says so that and that we were gonna literally preach every one of them until we ran out, but um, I don't think we have enough weeks for that, so we just condense them. But I will tell you, I'm doing two a week. So today, you're gonna get two so that's. So I want you to write them down when it comes, okay? Uh, first, uh, I want to share with you a story about a man named Dave Veerman. <clears throat> Dave Veerman is a Christian writer, and he's written many books. Uh, one particular book that he wrote is a book on how to apply the Bible to your life, uh, how to take it and apply it to your life. He tells a story about his wife, Gail, and their two children, uh, Kara and Dana. Uh, at the time of this story, uh, Kara was 10 and Dana was uh, six. I may have said eight a second ago, 10 and six years old. And so um, they had decided as a family, they would begin to uh, memorize parts of the Bible. And because uh, Kara and Dana were uh, 10 and six, he thought one verse a week is the way to go. So they wrote down on a card uh, a verse for each week. They would lay it on the table, and together, sitting around the table, uh, they would pass it around and memorize it. But then they would talk about it and share kind of the meaning behind it and uh, kind of make it a teaching moment. And he, he said it became one of his favorite times with his whole family, memorizing and talking about the Scripture. Then he said there was an occasion in which he and his wife, Gail, were sitting in the living room and they were reading and down the hall they heard their two daughters get into a fight. Believe it or not, sometimes siblings fight. And uh, in this particular case, as it kind of built up a little bit, they heard one of them say, I hate you. To which the other one said, I hate you too. And so Dave said, well, I, you know, I don't really want to get up and kind of uh, try to get into the fray here. So he said, I'm going to try to do this in a roundabout way, maybe by implication, help them to realize that's not appropriate. Uh, so he yelled out Kara to the oldest one. She said, yes, sir. And he said, what is our verse for this week? And he said, she replied with all the pious attitude she could. Uh, the scripture was 1 John chapter 4, verse 11, that says, Dear friends, since God loved us as much as that, we surely ought to love each other too. 
And then she began to fight again. And so he said, well, I'm going to try this one more time. So he, he yelled out to the younger one. And he said, Dana, what is our verse? She recited it with all the same piety as her sister and then turned and went right back to fighting again. And Dave said he looked at his wife, Gail, and they just kind of laughed over how that was playing out. I've written a book about applying the Bible to our lives, and here we have it. And so he said he got up and he calmed the, the storm there. Well, obviously, these two girls had uh, taken the time with family to memorize an important verse of the Bible about how much God loves us. And since God loves us that much, shouldn't we ought to love each other uh, that much as well? Uh, they got it. They memorized it, but they weren't applying it to their lives, were they? Well, I don't want to point the finger just at them. I will start here. And, then, and I guess you okay if I say this? We all struggle with taking the Word of God to read it and then to apply it to our lives. I think when it comes to God's Word, to the Bible, I think, first of all, we need to hear it. And opportunities such as this, when we're in worship or Bible study, etc., we hear the Word of God read to us and shared with us. We ought to also read the Word of God, open the book and read the Word of God. I was going to kind of make a fun joke here and say, how many of you have your Bible with you and see how many of you did this? right? Because I know. I have my Bible with me all the time like that. But today I brought it because it's literally I'm talking about the Bible today. So we open the book and we read it. Then we study it. And then we might even want to memorize it. We want to meditate on it, read some, and then pray as we go through to meditate on the Word of God. Um, and then, uh, you know, we can kind of do all those things. We can hear it, we can read it, we can study it, we can memorize it, we can meditate on it. But if we don't do the last, really none of that matters. And the last is to apply it to our lives. And that's what we are to do with the Word of God. We're to do all those things. Now, let me say about uh, memorizing the Bible, I always say the Bible is a reference book. Uh, it is great when we memorize it, but it's meant to be used so that when we need something, we go to God and we uh, read his word and we uh, use it as a reference to help us in our time of need or in our time of joy or whatever it is we're going through. But I do believe if we can take time to memorize certain verses of the Bible and use them at times, um, for example, if you've been around me any time, if, if you say to me, what is your favorite uh, verse in the Bible? I have many, but if you did say, what is the favorite verse you have? I'll go to Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare, not for harm, plans for a future with hope. And it is in the way that that became my favorite verse because of my wife's cousin whom we named our daughter after when the three of us were all 38 years old because we were all three or four months apart. Uh, when she died at the age of 38 after fighting cancer for about three years, she asked me to read that verse at her funeral. And it occurred to me then, I'd always heard that verse in light of the people of Israel and how God said, hey, I have a future uh, with hope for you guys. And that's the way I read it. But when I read it that day at a funeral for my 38-year-old, uh, my wife's cousin who's 38 years old, who battled cancer and died, and she wanted to say to the people at her funeral, listen, I know this wasn't God that gave me cancer. I know God's... Um, 
future for me was meant to be welfare and not harm. But in this broken world in which we live, I uh, received this cancer and I'm now uh, gone to be with God. And so then she's saying to those people, the future with hope for me is all eternity. You see how that turned and meant something so special to me? So when I'm struggling, when I'm walking through the valleys, when I'm struggling with things, it is so good to be able to go to my memory banks and pull from that God saying, I know the plans I have for you. Plans for your welfare and not for harm. Plans for a future with hope. There may be other verses that are your favorite. There may be verses that you need. But wherever you are in your life, can you pull from that? And if you can't fall from that, don't worry about it. You, you have your Bible with you. And in this Bible, you can say, I'm feeling down. I've lost a loved one. What are the verses? And this will do a little work for you, right? And then you can find in the Word of God what's going to help you in that moment. Well, let's go to the Scripture and talk a little bit about the purpose of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible. What is the so that of the Bible. And I want to share with you from John chapter 20, uh, verses 24 to 31, in which we see Thomas, who has uh, kind of been the uh, one left out uh, when Jesus, after the resurrection and before the ascension, he has appeared to some of the disciples and they've said, Hey, we've seen the Lord. And he's like, Hey, I, you know, have you ever been the one left out? You know, I'm a big family. And sometimes if my family went and did something, they came back and said, Oh, this was so cool. Sorry you couldn't be there. You know, have you ever been the left out one? Well, this, this was kind of Thomas here. He'd been left out. He hadn't seen Jesus. And in fact, you'll hear he says, whoa, whoa, until I see, I'm not going to even believe this. Until I touch the hand, until I put my hand in his side, no, I'm not going to believe this. And that's the scenario in which we find this passage. Let me share it with you. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. So John has written down this, uh, this story of all the things that Jesus has done. And he's kind of bringing really kind of to the conclusion. Some of the scholars will talk about how really chapter 20 may have been the original ending uh, of the gospel. But yet there was another story of Jesus uh, appearing uh, again and talking with Peter and talking about John. And that gets incorporated into chapter 21. Uh, but what John is saying here, look... There's so many other things we could have put. 
but we put these things in the word. He said, I wrote these things in the gospel, the storytelling of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, true life, abundant life, eternal life in his name. That's the purpose of this book, so that we may believe. Now, if we go to the last chapter of the Gospel of John, it has another uh, kind of ending that I really love. And in fact, uh, when I've been um, leading a study at uh, the Kingsland campus on the uh, series called The Chosen, and uh, let me just say, I want to encourage you to watch The Chosen if you haven't, and I'm going to tell you a couple of things. One is, when people kept saying, Pat, you've got to see The Chosen, I'd go, okay, yeah, sure, huh? Uh, and, and the reason I, I did that was because truly any, any movie or series about uh, the scriptures, the stories, uh, Hollywood produces these things. And I, would, I will tell you, I sit there and go, nope, didn't happen that way. Uh-uh, that's not right. You know, kind of critiquing all the way through. And I find myself not enjoying the story very much because I'm critiquing it too much. And I thought, well, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'll turn the chosen on because everybody told me I ought to do this but I'm pretty sure I'm not going to enjoy it. Well, two days later, three series, one binge watch through. Um, I have to tell you, go watch The Chosen. Uh, it is so good. And, you know, I'll say that I love the way they tell the stories that we find literally in the gospel, but I like the way they weave in the backstory, if you will, to tell the stories. Well, I thought of it when I was preparing this message, there's a particular scene in which John is sitting down to begin to write the, the, the gospel. It's kind of a, you know, spring forward in the storyline while he's uh, beginning to write down these things in scripture that we've shared today. And he's sitting with a lot of the different disciples and followers of Jesus. This particular scene, I'm going to want to show you, it's about two minutes long. He's sitting down with his mother. Now, remember that John and his brother James were known as the sons of thunder. And that, that'll show itself here in this two-minute clip as well. Uh, but John is now interviewing his own mom, saying, hey, tell me what you remember of Jesus. So let's turn to the screen and watch this from The Chosen. You know that if you tried to write every single thing he did, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Hmm. A disclaimer. That's good. I'm going to say that. You see, Mother, if I do not write these things down, they will be lost to history. James would agree. Where will you start? In the beginning. Naturally, I'm just um, not sure which beginning. His birth. Earlier. His ancestry. I'm pretty sure Matthew has that covered. But... <laughs> Maybe the prophecies, the promise to Abraham. I thought about starting with Abraham, but still, so much came before him. What was before Abraham? Noah. And before him. A garden. A garden. Well, you could start there. 
but I wanted to be known that he was much more than what could be seen or, or touched. What was before the garden? In the beginning, the earth was formless and void. without thinking of you too. I cannot believe how much you put up with others. They will not even remember the sound of his voice. They'll just be words. He said they weren't just words, remember? Heaven and earth will pass away. But, but my, my words will never pass, pass away. They're eternal. So I love the way that's set up. I don't know if she was the one that said, you know, I suppose if all the things that he did were written, the, book, the world couldn't contain the books. Uh, but I love the fact he said, disclaimer, I'm putting it in there. Uh, we find that actual verse in uh, chapter 21, verse 25, the very last verse of his uh, gospel. It says, but there are also many other things that Jesus did. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written and I believe that to be true. I love the way it uh, kind of led to how he starts his gospel, you know. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's so, it's, it, to me, again, how they kind of bring in the backstory, uh, at, at least one option for how that backstory might have been done. And instead of me going, no, that didn't happen that way, I go, oh, wow, that could have happened that way, you know. Uh, so, again, I would say to you, if you haven't watched The Chosen, season four is about to come up. So you better get to binging if you're going to catch up. Now, I meant to bring it, but I forgot to, but I can just tell you, I have a book on my shelf, actually many of them over the years. Every four years, uh, a new book of discipline is written, and uh, we're about to have in 2024 another general conference out of which another new book of discipline will be written. Uh, in the book of discipline, uh, first in the back part of the book of discipline, it's mostly the rules and regulation and structure for the church, the United Methodist Church. It'll tell you how to start a church. It'll tell you how to put together the organization. Uh, organization part of it, a church counselor, you know, the uh, different committees, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it gives you a whole bunch of rules, uh, even how to go from a uh, layperson into ordination process, et cetera, et cetera. I would say to you, if you have trouble sleeping, <laughs> grab that book, start reading the back part of it, and I'm going to say pretty soon you'll, you will have solved your problem. However, what I want to talk about is uh, in the front of the Book of Discipline. Now, uh, many people have been quoting over the last few years the Book of Discipline, but they've stuck in the back part and they've argued about a lot of those things. But I want to go to the front part of it because uh, those pieces of the front are called the Articles of Religion. And that is what the United Methodist Church believes. And those things don't change over the years. The back part gets changed with, uh, with the work uh, of the uh, general conference. But what we believe is 
solid. It's there. It is not changed. Uh, and there's a lot of things you can go to and find in that. But I'm going to read for you Article 5, or at least share with you what Article 5 states in the front of the Book of Discipline about what the United Methodist Church believes. And what it says is, Scripture contains all things necessary for salvation. So what does United Methodist Church believe about this book? This book contains all that is needed for us to have salvation in Jesus Christ. This book has everything that we need to hear, read, study, memorize, meditate on, and apply to our life to experience salvation. This book has what we need so that we may have life abundant and eternal. Paul wrote a little bit about the Bible and what it does for us in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness so that, there's your second so that, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped, for every good work. In other words, God's word, the Bible, teaches me. It gives me correct information. It rebukes me. It repairs my wrong way of thinking. Uh, it corrects me. It corrects my character flaws. I know you're shocked that I have some, but yes. Finally, it trains me in righteousness. In other words, it trains me to be ready to make right choices and right decisions. That's what the Word of God does. The psalmist spoke about the Word of God in Psalm 119, 105, and said, your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible is meant to be a foundation upon which we build our lives. It's going to point us to, toward salvation, toward abundant life, toward eternal life. And it's going to remind us that that is not to be, meant to be something we keep to ourselves. The Word of God is something that we do uh, grow in Christ by reading and understanding. Uh, it is a means by which we grow in our faith, in our faith journey. You see, we never arrive as we're alive in this world to the end of our faith journey. It is a lifelong journey, and until the day we die, we are growing and learning and trying to be more like Christ each and every day. And God's Word, the Bible, is sufficient for that purpose in our lives. So I want to encourage you to grow in your faith as you continue in your journey. I want you to hear God's Word. I want you to read God's Word. I want you to study God's Word. I want you to memorize God's Word. I want you to meditate on God's Word. And I want you to apply God's Word to your life so that you may experience life abundant and life eternal. What John said to us in verse 31 of chapter 20 is, I wrote these things down so that you may believe. And what I think we should hear there is, we have come to believe. Now, what are we going to do to tell that story to somebody else so that they may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that believing they may have life in his name? I believe we are to present the witness before the world 
that we have not only heard God's holy word and read it and studied it and memorized it and meditated on it and tried to apply it to our life, but we want others to have that experience as well. So that, friends, I say to you, all this is so that we have salvation and life eternal, but don't keep it here. In our life and in our words, let's share it with others so that they may have life. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we are grateful for your word, for it does speak to us in every situation. It transforms our lives, and we give thanks for the ability to read your word today, to study your word, to memorize your word, to meditate on your word, but mostly to apply it to our lives. Help us to do that, oh God, and then help us to go out into the world to live the good news message before others that we may indeed share that message, that gospel, so that they may have life abundant and eternal. We pray this in Christ's name, amen and amen.